So um, our reading today comes from uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And today I want to really uh, share from the heart rather than do a big biblical exposition. But I do want to draw on this passage. So it's um, Ephesians chapter 5. We're starting at verse 15. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version uh, if you want to follow along, if you have that. It's very similar to the Revised Standard Version. And um, uh, let's get into that now as, uh, as I read that to us. So Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you speak to us through your word this morning? May we know its transformative power and its true message to us as we gather together today. And would you speak to our hearts and change our lives, bring hope where that is needed for each of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, for some of us, this lockdown phase uh, may have felt, you know, if we are more sort of introverted, for example, we will have found that this phase might be really the most incredible time that we've ever had. You know, we've, we've had time on our own. We've had time sort of in quiet, in reflection. Things that have um, been really just wonderful for us. And, and you know, I, I was chatting to one of our team uh, just this morning. And, uh, and he was saying how he's almost grieving this phase that we've been in finishing because he's loved the alone time. He's loved the downtime just with his family and having so much time together. And that's been so precious for him. And he's grieving that. Maybe that's been your experience. You found this really easy. Maybe you're more extroverted and you've longed to be in community. You've longed to be together. I, I don't know what it's been like for you. For some of us, this phase we've been in has been so difficult, so hard, so painful. And I'll share with you that for me, uh, in all honesty, I have found elements of the lockdown really hard. 
Now, I, I, I have both strong introvert and extrovert tendencies. My extrovert tendency is higher than my introvert, but I operate in both. And so that part of me, which is extrovert, I have really missed the gathered community. And I'll come back to this a bit later. But I've really missed the gathered community. And that sense when we're all together, worshipping together, and just, oh, I, you know, I find it so inspiring. And I find myself leaving on a Sunday morning, having had this time with God, with others, so kind of inspiring and setting me up for the week. And over the lockdown, haven't had it. And I've found it much more difficult. I've had to find other ways to connect with God where normally that would have been a key significant part of feeding my walk with him. And, you know, when we can't do that together, present, in the same room together, it's so different. It's painful. Now, for many of us, I think we would have found this time painful. And so, you know, and there have been so many expressions of that. Uh, we've heard different stories. But the important thing is that around our church community, we'll have had people who've had the most extraordinary time over the last few months and those who've had the most painful time. And, you know, perhaps that sort of sense of failure has been there for us or not living out to the level that we've wanted to. And so uh, where I've, you know, one of the things I've, I've wanted to address on that and the point that I've wanted to come to is to think about what does it mean to sort of to meet back together. And so I want to take us to um, verse, uh, a verse that we didn't actually read. And uh, that comes in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, sorry, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse, that, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. And I want to just look at that uh, and share a story with you. Ephesians 5 verse 1. And Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God as beloved children. I think we probably all know that children imitate their parents. When I was a child, I grew up under the British forces because my father was in the army. And, you know, uh, when I was sort of between six to kind of probably eight um, we lived in, in Germany at the time. My father was in the Royal Armoured Ordnance Corps and he had access, because he was an officer, he had access to the army tailors. And I, I, myself and my friends, we decided one year, let's, let's see if dad can get us some army kit. And anyway, we, we asked, and one day he came home, he'd been to, I got measured up and all of this, and my friends did with the four or five of us, all got measured up by the army tailors and they made us proper legit army camos they looked like the real deal I had the regimental belt I had all I had the beret which is the sort of a hat and I had all the kit and you know because dad could get it really easily why did I go to those lengths and with my friends we then put on these what um you know, with the army, they do these things called exercises, which is where they go away for a period of time. And, you know, they, they practice essentially uh, what might 
a, you know, a war situation look like or an emergency situation? What might our response look like? And they sort of practice it and it's called going on exercise. And dad would have to go on these exercises. And so what we would do is, we, and, and we'd get invited to the sort of family's day of these exercises where they make it into a bit of a fate and a fun day uh, where we get to see our folks you know, and, and hang out with them. And so we'd experienced a bit of that and so we would put on in the garden these kind of army exercises, invite our parents to come along and we'd all done judo and stuff. So we would sort of beat each other up like it was all staged. But to do, uh, in our army kit, you know, and all my sort of, my friends that were girls, six, seven year olds, swooning around the place as we were sort of pretending to beat each other up and do this army exercise. Why did we go to such lengths? Why did we do all this and dress up that way and act like soldiers? Because we wanted to be like our dads, who were soldiers. And we were imitating them as dearly loved children. Because we were loved by our parents, we wanted to be like them. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. That is the call on us to be imitators of him. When we look at the life of Jesus, he did not live it in isolation. He had moments and periods of time where he would seek to get away from the crowds, to spend time with the Father on his own. But so often when he tried to get away from the crowds, they would follow him. He'd jump into a boat to go over the other side and the crowd would run around the edge of the lake or the Sea of Galilee and they'd find Jesus on the other side and he'd have compassion and carry on ministering. Jesus lives his life connected with a people group, the people of God. And he, and he obviously goes to the lost sheep of Israel as well. And, and we see him, you know, interacting, don't we? And we read in the Gospels, count, account after account after account, as we read, read through in uh, July and August, the accounts of encounters with Jesus. And, you know, Jesus lives in community. He lives his life. He's got the core group around him, the disciples. But then there's the 120, isn't there? And then it goes even wider. He was always surrounded by people. The early church, when we move forward into the book of Acts, the early church live in community. Now, there are some exceptions. Paul makes various missionary journeys, but he rarely travels on his own. He's normally with others. And he gets to other places where there are churches and he spends time with them. He hangs out with them and he lives his life with the people of God. The early church, it's all together. Yes, they get scattered, but as they scatter, they grow and they birth new communities. And these, we are d designed to live in community. So we are to imitate God. We're to imitate Jesus living in community. And then he goes on. He, he then talks about sexual immorality. I'm not going to go after that today. Um, other than to say that that may have been a problem for some of us during the lockdown. If, you know, if we found ourselves bored or vulnerable or some of those things, those are the times when perhaps we feel most vulnerable to uh, the threat or, or to the the issue of online pornography, etc., etc. Maybe that's been part of the struggle. 
But don't let the enemy pin you down with it. Don't let the enemy shame you out of who you are in Christ. Because struggling with that stuff always points to something else. It points not to the fact that we are, you know, sexually completely broken and sinful, although there could be some elements of truth in that, but it points to the fact that our identity in Christ is not fully where it's meant to be. And the enemy will take whatever he can to pin you down and steal your identity. And when you are separate from the pack, when you are separate in isolation, he will go after you and he will try and pull you down. And our job as the people of God is to rise up against it. And if, if that's been a struggle for you, it might have been that, it might not be, it could be something else. Don't allow the enemy to steal who you are in Christ. Because who you are in Christ is a son of the living God, is a daughter of the living God. You are washed and blameless without stain or wrinkle. That is who you are. And don't let the enemy tell you otherwise. As you start to believe the truth of who you are, the draw to that stuff that we really don't want to mess with is reduced. That's not where I was going to go, but I just want to pull that out because Paul talks about sexual immorality here. But let's move on. Back to verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time. What's happening in the time right now? We are opening services again. We are now every week at, it's, the building is Washington, but these are Chanctonbury services. And I'm going to hit a couple of things right now. If you're not going to the service because you think, uh, Washington, I'm not going there, I've heard things, then repent of your sinful heart. Okay? Because this is the same, the same church. We are one. We are Chanctonbury. And these are Chanctonbury services. Okay? And, you know, we've had people come to these services expecting it not to be very good, expecting it to be difficult and awkward and hard because either we have to wear a mask or we can't belt out our voices. And they get to the end of the service and I've heard it time and time again. Oh my goodness, it was so powerful. I really encountered God. Please don't let the excuse of there'll be too many people wanting to go stop you from signing up and getting a ticket. We need to reconnect as the people of God. Our faith is designed to be lived in community. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Don't be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. This is what Paul says. And then he says, don't waste your time getting drunk on wine. That's the distraction. He's not saying that alcohol is bad per se. He's saying don't get drunk on it, but be filled with the Spirit because the impact of the Spirit of God, it might feel similar in some ways, but there is so much life and power. So Getting filled with the Spirit of God is essential. But do you know, one of the key ways that happens is when we meet in community. When the Spirit of God broke out at Pentecost, it didn't happen to one individual. It wasn't Peter on his own going, la, 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 la. 
It was, the, it was the upper room. 120 people met together and a whirling sound filled the room. And boosh! They were filled with the Spirit of God. Flames of fire appear on their head in community. That's where you get filled with the Spirit of God. It's not to say he can't fill us when we're on our own. He can and he does. But there is a, a, like a level of anointing that goes beyond that when we do it in community. And one of the reasons for that is we get to enjoy him together. We get to enjoy him together. And when we do it together, we kind of spark off one another. And that's because flint sharpens flint. Or should I say iron sharpens iron. You know, when you rub flints together, you get sparks. When you rub the people of God together, you get sparks. If you want more of the Spirit of God, for goodness sakes, let's get out of our homes. Let's get stuck back in to the people of God, to the community that we long for. No, it's not going to look like March to whatever it was, 23rd, or was it even the week before that? It's not going to look like the last service, the last Sunday we had here at the 11 o'clock, or the last Sunday we had at Washington, um, at, the, at the 10, or Whiston, or Buncton, wherever it was. It's not going to look exactly the same. But it is the people of God gathering around his presence together. And when we gather together around his presence, stuff happens because that's who he is. And we might not be able to fill the rafters at the moment because of, you know, the restrictions that are in place. But we can meet together. We can encourage each other. We can stir hearts and minds together. Okay, and I really want to encourage you guys while we can't do exactly what this verse says, but this is what Paul pushes us towards in terms of be careful how you walk, be wise, not unwise. The conclusion is this. Addressing one another. That means we've got to be together. You can't address one another when you're apart. Singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. Oh, sorry, I missed a bit. Addressing one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, yeah, we can't join in verbally, but here's an opportunity for you, okay? The persecuted church across very different nations, but let's take North Korea or Pakistan or somewhere like that where there's heavy persecution. The persecuted church are, when they meet in secret, underground, hidden, they can't make loads of noise. Because if they do, the powers that be come along with their guns or their bombs or whatever and they take them out. So they meet in secret and they have to do it quietly. You know, um, I led a service once which we called Secret Church, which was to engage with the plight of the persecuted church. And we did the whole thing very differently, undercover. Uh, we, 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 we met secretly, so I, we didn't put out any big publicity we sent out by text the meeting venue. It wasn't the church. We changed the venue. And the only way you could get there was if you got the text. And it was incumbent on the people of God to share the information and keep it close. We met and we did the service where we didn't sing out loud. 
uh, we had to find different ways to worship. And one of the things that we did was hum quietly well-known choruses. And the power of God that fell in the room was phenomenal. You know, we don't need to just have to jump around crazy and and, and sing our hearts out, although we love to do that and it's awesome. But in the limitations that are on us, whatever we think about those limitations, you are not being muzzled. And so I'm inviting you to come along to our services that we're running and unmuzzle yourself together. Let's hum through the choruses and see the power of God at work. Because that's how we can sing to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's how we can communicate our hunger for God together in the space together and encounter him in a different way. This is not a time for us to isolate ourselves and pull away. This is a time for us to come together and spur one another on into the fullness of what he has for us. On the 27th of September, we're meeting up at Whiston, open house for anyone that wants to come. I'm not sure how we're going to administrate it, but you'll get the emails um, or email office at chanctonbury.org.uk if you're interested, uh, you'd like to come to that. Uh, but, uh, unless you're on our email system. Don't do it if you're on our email system. You'll get the email when it comes. But come back. Come back. We are probably going to be, this has got to be finalised, but we're probably going to be opening services at Ashington um, in uh, uh, October. At the moment, we've got a few children's and family and new things going on. But in October, we're hoping to run 9 and 11. But watch this space because we've got to keep an eye on that. But please engage. Come back and reconnect. Don't let the enemy isolate you and take you out. Because here's what I, one other thing I want to finish with is a bit of a challenge. But what happens when we meet together at home, oh, sorry, when we meet online and we're all at home, is we can just sit like this and we can look in judgment on, on me or on James, on whoever is sharing, on Luke and Claire doing the worship. We can say, I like the way they've done that. I don't like the way they've done that. Well, guess what? It's about him. We're doing it for him. Yes, we're providing whatever we can. And it might float your boat and it might not. But it's for him, all right? But what happens when we're at home, apart from community, is we start to engage in thought processes. And we start making assumptions about things. And then the enemy gets in there and tries to twist those assumptions and make us believe things that simply aren't true. And if we're not careful, we then call other friends of ours who think in a like-minded way and we gather them around us feeling and thinking the same stuff. And if we're not careful, we form a faction. And that's division. And that's the enemy at work. It's how he destroys the church in the modern world. One of the greatest sadnesses that we were talking about in the staff a smaller staff team this morning, was the way that the church has been divisive over the last few months. I don't, I'm not talking about Chanctonbury. I'm talking about, you know, when you go online and you see all the stuff that's going on. Uh, church leaders being absolutely annihilated 
by their congregations. And, you know, it's, it's, such, it's such a shame. But it happens because we're not together in community. And this isn't about control, it's about freedom. But it's when we separate ourselves from the pack, from the flock... That's when we become vulnerable to the lies of the enemy because we don't have the people around us who are saying, hey, mate, why are you thinking like that? That's not what it's about at all. That's not what, you know, that's not what James and Lou are planning. That's, that's not what the, 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 the Catalyst team are thinking. That's not what the PCC are, are thinking about. Uh, you know, one of the things that's been levelled against us from our own congregation, and I'll hit this, is that Changchun we're becoming a mega church. No, we're not. That is nowhere in our thinking. All right, but we are dealing with an issue that we've outgrown the building, and we have to think carefully about how we continue to minister. If we want to grow as a church, get over it. We're going to grow as a church. New people are going to come, and we're going to run out of space. And we have to find ways to work with that because of what God is doing. But there's no heart, no hunger for us to be a mega church. We're no way near. We are miles away from that. And, um, but we are planning for growth because God is doing something and we want to be ready when more people come. Okay? And I just hit it because I hear this stuff and I'm okay, what? What are people thinking? And I realise people out in isolation, gathering together, starting to have conversations, speaking to people without going to the sources who really know. Bad idea. So, let's, if, if we've been engaging in that stuff, let's grow up. Let's take it to Jesus. And if you've really got questions around that, then just email us. Email jim.wadell at chanctaby.org.uk. Email james.dcas at chanctaby.org.uk. We're happy to, to connect on these things. Okay? So... Oh, I went off on one. I didn't mean to do that. But let's rejoice and celebrate that we can meet together again. And let's not get comfortable. Uh, because in, in the lockdown, I think one of the things we may have struggled with is, is, is being comfortable. You know, words like quarantinis and, you know, a, a sort of creating special drinks or whatever it is. I don't know. But... Um, you know, because it's been perhaps a bit fearful outside, people have pursued comfort. But, you know, the Holy Spirit's the comforter, but he's the comforter when you're out there on the front line, when you're out there in a scary environment, not when you're sitting on a sofa at home uh, really happy and gouging yourself on chocolate and crisps. Okay, so let us rise up out of our slumber Let's return from exile. Let's come back together as the people of God to celebrate who he is, to celebrate one another, to in whatever way we are able, encourage one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's where the rubber hits the road submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for 
your word. Thank you that we are returning from exile and we still don't really know what that will fully look like because there are uncertainties in our, in our environment, in our society. But we can be flexible and we can work with whatever we are called to work with. And we will do, I know that the heart of the team here um, in the church is to do the best that we can possibly bring, the greatest offering we can possibly bring, working with the limitations that are placed on us. And may we all celebrate as we have this opportunity to reconnect, as we have this opportunity to gather together again. It might be that we need to self-isolate for whatever reason and for those we will still go after online provision. But for those of us who are able to get up out and about, may we come back together as the people of God to celebrate who he is, to celebrate what he has destined and called us to be as the people of God together in the parish of Chanctonbury. And may your fire flow through us as we move forward into the fullness of all that you have for us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.